We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello and welcome to the Sports Social, bringing you this week's joy, humanity and heartbreak in sport. Hello, Libeth. Hello, Jorg. We are still on holidays, um, but again, we wanted to drop in and have a deep dive conversation. And where better to go than to Brisbane 2032? Yeah, baby. Let's face it, we're going to be talking about this a lot for the next decade. Well, and I just... I'm just so interested in because I mean obviously obviously I don't oh, know, oh, obviously oh, I, I don't, know where this is going. <laughs> yep. I don't know if you guys remember, but I went to three Olympic games, and uh, but like as an athlete, <laughs> like I don't know what goes into creating the event. No, like I know what a goes, lot. Well, seemingly I imagine because they've announced it ten years ahead of time, but. I thought it would be really awesome to get someone who might actually know <laughs> what goes into. <laughs> Who's in charge? <laughs> Who's in charge here? Um, no, we wanted to talk to Natalie Cook, who a lot of us m- might remember from Sydney 2000 Olympics winning gold. And I practically wanted to become a beach volleyballer <laughs> after that. I mean, I didn't, but I was very close I to I thought about it yeah. for a moment and then realised I was inspired. I was too short. <laughs> and then, <well>, yeah. <laughs> Um, She also went to five Olympic Games, if you didn't remember that. But she's currently uh, a director on the board for Brisbane 2032 and is going to be an integral part of creating and bringing the Olympics and Paralympics to our state and our city. So thank you so much for joining us, Nat. I want to know, like, what is the process of bringing an Olympic Games to a city? What happens? What is that look like well it's like telling a bedtime story once upon a time (laughs) there was graham quirk the lord mayor at the time of brisbane and him and john coates must have been having one of those posh lunches you know at gambaro's libby on caxton street that not you and i as athletes could afford but they could and they go to this posh lunch and they had a great idea that brisbane should bid for an olympics and The interesting part is in history, John Coates actually wanted Brisbane to win the 1992 Olympic Games when it ended up going to Barcelona. So he, this has a long, long, long history that people only think it just started. It's been going in John Coates' head for a very long time. So he didn't get the bid up for 1992. Then Sydney, of course, wins in 1993. They win the rights for 2000 Olympics. And then he's always put his head on the pillow at night going, I still want this thing to go to Brisbane. Mm. And so Graham Quirk, the Southeast Council of Mayors, all of the regional mayors, when they changed the norms, or they now call them the new norms, uh, at the International Olympic Committee, it enabled a regional bid. And so this was the time where John Coates and Graham Quirk said, this is our time. This is the time for Brisbane. And uh, that's where it all started. But as you can appreciate, as a swimmer in a world championship, um, that's one sport's biggest event. We're going to see 33-ish sports stand up a world championship in the same place in 2032. For the Olympics and then, of course, the Paralympics are a few less sports. But pretty exciting time. It's a big job. And I think... uh, 
Brisbane's ready. As a person who sits on the organising committee, and we were just talking about that you have a director role on that committee, what does that job actually entail? So what are you out there doing this year and next year to help us get to 2032? Well, it's, it's a fantastic question about boards in general. So we, we, I'm a director on a board. A board um, governs, oversees the activity of the organising committee. So um, the CEO has just recently been appointed, a lady by the name of Cindy Hook, and she is now tasked with the job of putting together the team that is going to deliver the games. And that all you know, starts with uh, her at position one, even though she's a technically employee number five or six, but all the way to by the time we get up to July 23rd, 2032, there'll be up to 3,000 staff and 50,000 volunteers and 25,000 of the world's media uh, descending on Brisbane and the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast. And Townsville have got events and uh, Toowoomba's got an event and even Melbourne and Sydney, for those that didn't know, I've got some soccer. Um, We just threw them a bone. (laughs) We we did, just to keep them happy, Libby, because we know, you know, we're all competitive internally with our Australian colours. But uh, so as a director, we're really about setting strategic direction. We're about the governance, which means the transparency, the goals, of which we've already in our bid documents said we've signed up to First Nations reconciliation, we've signed up to a carbon positive games, which is huge. That's massive. Um, now, to be honest, we've got no idea how yet, but Libby, you'll know, you say you want to win an Olympic gold medal and at some point you go, oh, no, we've got to do a whole lot of work to, <laughs> to make Like I put it out happen. there, but I have to do the process thing now. <laughs> yeah, to realise the dream, we can't just lay in bed, yes. right? So. That all has to take shape over the coming years. So to answer that question a bit deeper, then you put in place the processes needed. Now, we're a good three years ahead of what a normal Olympic Games edition would get in terms of time. Normally, it's a seven-year announcement. We've obviously got 10, ultimately 11. And so the next couple of years is about setting the strategy, talking to all the stakeholders, making sure that everyone has a voice, doesn't mean, again, you know, Libby and I can talk the same talk, doesn't mean everyone's going to win a gold medal, right? Mm. It, it means there might be, there's eight lanes in the pool. There's probably, how many heats in your race, Libby? Oh, at the Olympics? Oh, 20. Yeah. <laughs> so you got 20 heats. So probably, what, six or six in a heat. So you might have 120 line up and you're going to get one gold medal, right? Mm. So imagine that similarly in a lot of the delivery, a lot of the you know, for every volunteer we get, there might be 120 that ask and there's no room. So we've got to go through all of those processes. The Queensland government are doing a legacy forum about what it can mean for Queensland. Each city's doing their own legacy maps about what, how they can benefit from the games coming to their region and how do we showcase Brisbane and Queensland to the world from a tourism and an investment perspective, a trade and investment Queensland from a government perspective are actively trying to make sure people come and invest in Queensland. So this, this thing is an amazing transformational opportunity for our great city and state. 
and it can be deceivingly considered a sports carnival. It is absolutely so much bigger than that. <laughs> just, a, just a little carnival <laughs> yeah, up in the you next know, decade. Like, yeah, like you just go down for the local swim meet down at the club. Everyone's all about the red frogs at the end and of the, the race. And the sausage sizzle. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. And the icy cups. I don't know. Did you ever have the icy cups? No, I was all about the red frogs and the killer pythons. Maybe some hot chips. Well, because Libby and I are both from Townsville, so we the icy cup at Aikenvale Swim Club. Ah, yes. Out of the cups, you know, the red one, the orange one. Um, Delicious. Whatever, whatever it took to get us to training. Correct. Um, Nat, I I just can't think of a better human than yourself to be in this role as a director. On, on the board for, for Brisbane 2032. You are just the best cheerleader for the Olympic movement and, you know, obviously a, a very proud Queenslander. You've represented your country at the highest levels, you know, one at the highest le- levels. What's it like being in this role now, you know, in administration behind the scenes? Well, thank you for that compliment. It's a, it is an honour. It's an honour to be representing all of my fellow athletes and, and now also the Paralympic movement. I've learned so much about the Paralympic movement and even um, I would have a trivia quiz to ask people what the Olymp- Paralympic logo is. Mm. So uh, can you draw it, right? Can you draw the Olympic rings? Do you know what colours the rings are? Do you know what um, order the rings go in? Do they overlap? Libby. So these are all even questions um, that I ask my fellow Olympians and and um, not many people know the colours. So understanding the depth um, so the Paralympic logo is called an Agitos and that would be something for everyone to Google and have a look at and its colours and shape and what it means. So even at that level I'm super passionate. Like Kate Campbell the other day called me. She's like you are a super fan. You're a yes. sports fan. I said I absolutely am. I played every sport at school from, and I swam. I tried to be a swimmer like Libby and Kate, but I never made it, so I picked something else. Uh, Arguably, you my, made a good choice, though. <laughs> it served you well. Well, I did, I, I did win the under eight breaststroke in Cairns for <laughs> Queensland. Yeah, but, you did. Uh, I did, mate. That's going. You know when people come up to you and say, oh, I played volleyball in grade eight? Like, good job. <laughs> That's just, me all the time. I, <laughs> I just did that to Libby Trickett. I won the under eight <laughs> swimming title. <laughs> Winner. Um, so, a totally a sports fan. Taekwondo, golf, tennis. I've played almost every Olympic sport. So, to be sitting in that role and representing uh, my fellow athletes and trying to get the best experience for the athlete is my, always my first priority around the boardroom table. So, you can appreciate we've got the Lord Mayor, we've got the Premier of Queensland, we've got uh, the Prime Minister's representative, who's the Federal Sport Minister, Annika Wells, and then we've got Brisbane's biggest corporate, and then there's little old me sitting there going, don't forget the athletes, <laughs> don't way. forget the sport is at the heart of everything we do. So I'm, you know, I'm there to remind them of that actively, and how do we get the best experience for our Ten and a half thousand Olympians and our four and a half thousand Paralympians that are going to come to Brisbane. So it's it's a pretty cool job. It's a little overwhelming at times, and and getting my voice heard 
I know some people might think that I'm always outspoken, but in a room like that, it's mm, difficult. You have to be. Got, you, yeah, and you have to be, but there's some powerful voices in the room, and so I just wait my turn. Mm. Um, but it's good. I'm enjoying the process, and I'm learning a lot about governance and sport diplomacy and how to position Brisbane and our athletes as the best in the world. Nat, on the topic of athletes, the Australian Sports Commission has just released uh, the Megatrends report for what the next 10 years in sport looks like. And I was just interested to understand how the Olympic Committee is going to work with the Australian Sports Commission about all about that green and gold runway that we keep hearing about. How do we make sure that our athletes are ready? We don't just, I guess we don't have to just have venues ready. We have to have the athletes ready for this big event when it arrives as well. Yeah, um, some might remember Juan Antonio Summeranch, who was uh, president of the International Olympic Committee uh, maybe three presidents ago. And he he was the one that declared the winner is Sydney for the announcement. (laughs) Iconic. In 1993, very iconic. And now, sadly, that was the bit we missed with Brisbane because Thomas Bach did not have that kind of iconic announcement (laughs) because we all knew that we were going to win. So... um, that was a bit of a, a, a different announcement, but um, he also declared at the end of Sydney 2000 that it was the best games ever. Now, we've never heard that again. And he also said that it's not just about the theatre and the buildings and the infrastructure and the venue, but it's about our home team performance. So unless we have a successful Australian Olympic team, in the green and gold, winning medals, doing the best performance that they can, it will not be considered a success. We need those Libby Trickett moments. We need the Kathy Freeman moments. We need the Natalie Cook and Kerry Potter moments, the Lauren Burns from Taekwondo, the Simon Fairweather archery. We need the swimming relay, you know, smash them like guitars mm. moments that are going to come in Brisbane. now, And that is where the Sports Commission has a huge responsibility to ensure that all of our Olympic and Paralympic sports are best set up for success. And then the Australian Olympic Committee and the Paralympic Australia's job is to provide an amazing wrap of support around all of that. So it's quite layered. It's quite complex. Have you read the Megatrend report, can I ask? I'm halfway through it. It's a, it, I think it's <laughs> that's a, a Georgie thing. That's a ni- it's a 90-page <laughs> report. So, um... Absolutely. That's why I was impressed that you brought it up and I'm thinking, did you read the uh, executive summary? I wish or I had. Page? <laughs> but it's really, it's, I mean, it's so, we're so lucky in this country to have such an amazing depth of research around what the sports trends are. I think that's got to be quite unique to us as a country that we dedicate so much of our focus on that. This is something that I love about Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also speaks to sport is our, in our DNA, Absolutely. right? It's so important and it also addresses, which I don't think we connect enough, and this is something that I'm hopeful the next 10 years of the Green and Gold Runway will do, the health and well-being angle for all Australians, for all Queenslanders, mm. uh, and our mental health and our physical health. And the paradox and the oxymoron against this esport phenomena, which was one of the megatrends, right? Mm. And, the, and how we balance that and how we keep our kids physically active, which we all know helps their mental health. So, you know, we've now stopped talking about winning gold medals and we're talking about the health of our nation, which is also what 
the Olympic and Paralympics do for our state and our nation. It is so vital. And every thread that you pull through, from whether it's a learn-to-swim five-year-old to a, my, my little seven-year-old is in tennis camp at the moment. So, you know, she's wanting to be like Ash Barty and she's got the little Ash Barty book. And I'm like, hang on a minute, Nat Cook's on the wall there. Why don't you want to do what she did? <laughs> like, I don't know if you know this, sweetheart, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm like, she's like, what? Volley what? Who cares about volleyball? So... Lame. Kids are so harsh. <laughs> so mean. Yeah, they're so harsh. I'm like, I'm, I literally don't tell her, but I'm taking her to volleyball this week and I'm getting someone else to tell her how good volleyball is because she doesn't want to... Hear it from me, but that's how it goes, right? So more and more touch points for the sport, more and more accessibility, and that's what our amazing Paralympians provide, this social inclusion, diversity. Um, How do we make our city and our region more accessible for all visitors? So, yes, so many layers to this, and the the Megatrend Report is something I would recommend for your Christmas reading. (laughs) (laughs) little holiday read. I, it would be remiss of me not to ask the question. We, like we both have daughters who are seven. You know, there, there's uh, so many kids around Australia and in Queensland that, you know, in the next 10 years will be kind of at that prime age of competing potentially at a home Olympics, which, you know, as you would know, is the most amazing experience to be able to compete in front of a home crowd. What would your advice be to either those kids or parents of those kids, you know, who might be aiming to be an Olympian or a Paralympian? Well, I get probably, I don't know about you, but I get a message a week asking me to review their video of their eight-year-old swimmer or their eight-year-old BMXer (laughs) saying, do you think he's got what it takes? And then the, the next question is, what do you recommend I do for the next 10 years? Mm. So, Libby, that's a great – It is. we could write a book together. Yes. We could write a thesis. There is a melting pot of ingredients required. But if I was to give you sort of the top three, it's the passion, what, what the child likes to do, keep steering and in providing that environment of support around the passion. Consistency. So, you know, it's not like, oh, well, you can play tennis once this month. Like yeah. if you want, if they want to play tennis, you've got to provide that support to keep going. And then it's all about, for my, from my belief, the coach. So mm. the part of the reason why kids love playing soccer or volleyball or tennis is because of either the coach and or their friends they're playing with. So the coaching is so important. I've had some of the best coaches throughout my career and um, have shaped me as a person. Have shaped my volleyball skill but more importantly my mental toughness my resilience and so the coach the friends around the sport and of course you know the parents passion to you've got to drive them you've got to sit through like you become a volleyball mum a soccer mum the amount of friends I have that say I'm now a volleyball mum and I'm like beauty (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah that that and it's not gonna go to plan actually it's very rarely going to go to plan but if you follow the Steve Bradbury theory you just got to hang out long enough mm. and be standing when it's your opportunity to cross the line so you've got to stay in the game uh, whilst they're enjoying it you know if they're not enjoying it maybe there's a break you look at Ash Barty she took a break um, went to cricket came back and it's not one this is the other part there's not one path that we 
that leads you to success. It really is a multitude of ways up the mountain. We are just sitting here nodding vigorously at everything you've just said. Try not to be like, yes, yes, Nat, all of it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> So you can do that, Libby. Cheer me on, right? Cheer <laughs> yes, the cheerleader. We're your hype girls. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, that's. I mean, that's exactly right. It's it's all of those things, and yeah, it, it ultimately, I one hundred percent agree with that very first thing that it has to come down to the the kids' passion for for what they're doing. If if they're not into it, that it's just not going to work. I will give you a myth, though, a myth buster here. So. I started swimming. Of course, I didn't end up swimming, but I was pretty good at it until I got to eight. And then I didn't want to go training in the morning. I mm. Like, it was too much. You know when they say mm. you get some kids doing 12 sessions a week and they're only 10? It was too much. And I would be really good at convincing my mum that I had a headache at 5 a.m. and I didn't want to go to the pool. So I didn't always want to go. doesn't mean I didn't love it. And this is the distinction to be careful of and watch for um, so much time that in at one time in Townsville my coach actually came and knocked on my parents door at 5 30 a.m and said where's Natalie get her out and get it because he believed in my talent and you know he dragged me to the pool kicking and screaming and I do my sets I mean might not be able to get away with it these days but <laughs> I do my sets and I ended up you know he he was always there the whole time he guided me through and you're not always going to um, – it's hard. There's a paradox between passion and loving it because it is hard work. Yeah. It's, it's solid commitment. My coach, my volleyball coach used to say, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to get you to be the best you want to be because that's what you sign up for. But that needs permission too. So mm. there's these fine lines. There's these Alice in Wonderland, fork in the road moments. And ultimately, as a parent, you've got to be ready to support whatever – um, your child wants to do totally. but also know that I didn't want to go to training so like and I became the best in the world so it's not always going to be rose-colored glasses I totally agree my nickname was Libby the lobster until I was about 15 because I hated I was a bludger I was a massive bludger I loved to hang out on the wall went to the toilet and in inverted commas for 15 minutes to get out of training <laughs> So, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> Even slackers you know, can yeah. become Olympians. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Nat, thank you so much for joining us. I, would, I could just talk for the next hour about the Olympics. And I think as someone who hasn't obviously been to an Olympics as an athlete, I am just so excited to even experience it as a member of the Brisbane community or the Australian community. To have it in our own backyard is absolutely thrilling and I can't wait to see what the next 10 years brings. I wasn't there for for the Sydney Olympics and the I like I'm already frothing at the idea of having an Olympics <laughs> and it's 10 years Is away. It, is there a comeback here? <laughs> well, I don't want to announce it here, but uh, well, if I must. <laughs> 50 freestyle. Well, in a, at, at least well, Libby, I'm looking at my pool right now. Maybe the 15 meter freestyle <laughs> you and I could you we could do a relay, Nat. Yeah, that's good. That's I like idea. it. But to that point, I think everyone can sit back right after listening to this amazing chat between the three of us to sit back and think, what would your Olympic gold medal moment be for Brisbane? Now, of course, it might not be in the pool or on the court or be an athlete, but do you want to be in the stands at the opening ceremony? Do you want to be a volunteer? Do you want to solve a problem that the Games might throw up over the next three or four years that you can start a business that might help with our climate 
sustainability agenda. Like, where do you want to fit in and have your piece of gold for the Olympics in, and Paralympics in 2032? And then you go to work for the next 10 years to train for it like a, an athlete would. And then 2032, when it's all over, we can all stand and celebrate what we've created towards this amazing city called Brisbane and this state called Queensland. And, of course, Australia. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. That's it. Teamwork. <laughs> You're the best. I'm like, what can we job. do for the next 10 years? I'm in. That, <laughs> sign sign <me> us up. <laughs> sign you up. Done. Done. I love it. Go oh, for gold, girls. <laughs> yes, thanks, Nat. You're just a, you're magic, absolutely magic. We just so appreciate your time. Pleasure. Oh, she's great, isn't she? Well, you could honestly talk to her for a whole other hour. She is just such, I mean, obviously she's an icon of Olympic sport. Like who goes to five Olympic Games, let alone, you know, win gold on home soil on Bondi Beach at the Sydney Olympics? Like she's She's unbelievable, just so full of energy and life and just lives, breathes, dreams about the Olympic movement constantly. So I think Brisbane is in great hands having her as a, in that director role on the board for Brisbane 2032. It's going to be amazing. She, I reckon just in this little interview alone, she could have recruited 200 people who just would have been like, yeah, I'll sign up. I'm, well, they've two right here. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> The energy that she has in how she talks about the Olympic movement and the message that it brings, and it's not just about the athletes and it's not just about Brisbane, it's about the broader state, it's about the nation and it's about you, the volunteer, or you, the business who could solve yeah. a problem. It's the legacy, it's it's the vibe. Yeah, I just <laughs> I just need to find the email address. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. I'm a little bit early, but I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Just tell me when I'm needed. What do you need? What do you need? <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We will be back in your ears with normal programming on the 17th of January. If you are a bit lost as to what to listen to, go back through our back catalogue. There's plenty lots. there. <laughs> I say it like there's so many things there. It's like 22 there's 20 episodes, episodes or something. Now. There's a lot. Go and have a listen. There's some great Olympians in there too. Matt Denny was one that we spoke to when he was in Birmingham. He was there for the Commonwealth Games. But he is an Olympian and he's like the the athletics team spirit captain yeah he reminds me a lot of Nat. i know they've got that That same energy energy. yes comedic joy so much sport yeah just revel in it so please go back have a listen and if you like what you hear please rate review like subscribe all those things really help other people to find our podcast and we'd really appreciate your help we'll talk to you in two weeks Bye. bye